Coming up on this edition of Don't Panic, we talk about Nike ending the fuel band. We talk about Aereo going to court. Project Aura is some wacky stuff. Uh, also, Fire TV, Facebook, Glass, and a pick you won't believe. All that and more on tonight's Don't Panic. Stay tuned. This is Don't Panic, episode number 43, recorded April 21st, 2014, on Aereo and Court, Unlimited Cups, and Nike's band breakup. Hello and welcome to take two of this week's episode of Don't Panic. Uh, I'm Sean Jennings and I'm joined by the Lewis and Clark of technology. That would, of course, be Dan Miller and Colby Rabideau. What? Funny. <laughs> Sean, that was even funnier than the first time you told that joke. I, I know. Everything's funnier the second time around. Uh, and I'll demean That's myself That's a universal again. rule. Yeah, and I'm Sacagawea. You get the joke. Uh, thank you for joining us on Don't Panic, uh, the technology podcast that pretends it knows what it's doing about technology uh we of course do this show every monday night 10 p.m eastern 7 p.m pacific on our website don't panic.io get all the information on the show there um but we don't have any time to waste we're gonna move right into uh, our top story yes uh, maybe you're not familiar with it it's a little uh company called nike um <laughs> the bike company the bike yeah bikey uh, the Nike bikey, uh, they uh, they confirmed this week that they have stopped production on their Nike Fuel Band hard ba- hardware uh, fitness wearable. Uh, been around for a few years, very popular among athletes, uh, but Nike has decided to shutter 55 of their 70-person hardware team and instead focus on software. Uh, the original Fuel Band launched in 2012. Um, last fall, they released a new version, but... Uh, it's overall, they were slow in, uh, developing the hardware. So do you guys think it's a smart idea for Nike to focus on software versus hardware? I think that's the Google thing to do. Uh, I think that's a smart way of putting it. I disagree that the fuel band was particularly behind the times or anything. Why? Did you say that, or were you reading that? I was that reading off what of someone arc? else wrote. Okay. What the what can't the fuel band do that other things can do? It just says the original fuel band launched in 2012, but Nike was slow to iterate on it. Last fall, the company released a new version that added Bluetooth support and new color options, but little else. That's all it says. I'm not honestly that familiar with the, with the uh, fuel band, if I can be so bold um i mean it was just a very basic fitness tracker was really what it was right um but you know i think i think the advantage was combining it with nike's software i mean i personally it's kind of interesting uh tim cook is actually on the board of nike uh you know apple being really a hardware company um and to see nike sort of drop their hardware i think it's really uh interesting but i think it's the right thing to do because you know, I can name four or five companies doing wearable fitness, but who out there is doing fitness software? You know, I mean, if they can make a name for themselves, who knows? Your Fitbit could be running Nike software someday. So um, that that's an that, I think or that's a the, better proposition. The Fitbit has an API, and you just shove your data into your own provider of analytics. Mm-hmm. That's the dream. That would be cool. Any, any, and all, like your your scale and your Fitbit and uh, what else? The sleep thing that I want that tracks how well you're sleeping at like a neurological level. <laughs> all that stuff. Do you yeah. have like, sticky things on your your face? And... That would be the version one that I would get, but then a, a actual consumer version would like use some sort of infrared or something. I don't know. I really you want would, you like, to get sleep. That. <laughs> if, if I do get it, I will demonstrate it on this show, I promise. Excellent. And yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to see if Nike was the hub that all these things plugged into. Um, I mean, they certainly have the clout and the uh, the resources to make something like that happen. Um, you know, they're, they're a big player with uh, Microsoft and Connect. Uh, they do a lot of work with those guys, uh, with the movement and the motion and those things. Um so, yeah, I mean, it's always a shame to see that 55 people being laid off um, on a team. But as far as, you know, a, a strategy for Nike, I, you know, I wouldn't say it's surprising. 
certainly. It's just I think the question well, is, yeah. Oh, go on. I think well, you're about to get to my question. Uh, well, let's find out. Uh, is there a long-term market for fitness wearables was my question. That wasn't going to be my question. All right. All right. Well, all right. You can answer mine or answer <laughs> yours, whatever floats your boat. I uh, I think it's, it's way too early to tell. Uh, I think that if they can become something cool that is worn because it's cool and not because of the utility that it does or does not provide, then there's a long-term market. I think if it, they're only utilitarian, then I can't see like a massive amount of people caring about it. I wish I were what the company was called, but I know there are there is at least one company that makes one that are stylish. Like it's like Jawbone? Oh it's not Jawbone. It's like it's I don't know. Like Joey Joey has one. But it's like this little circle thing and like they sell like accessories to wear it and there's like a necklace one and like a wrist one. I don't key. know what that is. Me either. I wish I, I remember. But I don't. I mean, I, I would make the argument, I mean, if you look at pictures of the Fuel Band, I mean, it's a fairly attractive band. I don't think there was anything wrong with it. I just, my question is, it's okay for a Fitbit or a Jawbone, who are considerably smaller companies than a Nike, to have space in a small market like fitness wearables but i think for nike it's just too small of a market but the market for the software of things you know of the of all this fitness stuff i think is much more appealing for a company the size of nike i i don't know why they would because i don't think these will ever be on the wrists of everybody at least not specifically right. fitness devices which is what nike does um so i think they were smart to say let the other guys do the hardware um we would much rather be the people who run all of it, which is almost what Google's done, really. Right, the Android approach. Well, the, Google has the Android wearable thing now. What was that called? Android. Android Wear. Android Wear. That, <laughs> yeah, makes a lot of sense. <laughs> By the way, Colby, did you pick up your Google I/O tickets? Leo, no. I... You? No. Well, you're a lot closer. To be fair. We didn't get press passes? I don't... <laughs> yeah, Google's flying us out. We're... No, Colby, Colby, we don't get press passes to I.O. However, we do have uh, backstage access at WWDC. So, uh, oh, yeah, I know. Figures, figures. <laughs> yeah, because we're so pro-Apple. Um, pro-Apple. Wonderful. Well, any other thoughts on, um, on, on Nike and the Fuel Land? So, I, I'll put a question. Like... What do you, do you think? I mean, obviously, Sun's done their watch thing, and Google announced their their wearable Android things, um, and Apple's supposedly, you know, has been long rumored to be releasing some sort of watch thing, um, but it seems to be like more legit rumors this year. Uh, do you think like? Once there are more robust options, like just just fitness wearables, Dio. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know what's what's particularly interesting. I don't think there'll ever be a device that does everything. Just like there isn't, there's phablets and there's tiny phones and there's phones that are water. You know, I just I don't. There, there will always be things just for fitness that are really good at fitness, and there will be things that are just good at notifications, and Google Glass is a whole other category. Um, so to think that there's only going to be one winner in the wearables fight, I think is is not a fair statement. And, you know, I, I think prospects for companies like Fitbit and, and the sort of low-priced fitness-only type wearables is... Is good. I think the outlook is, is good, despite what Apple and Google are doing, because they're not even in the same category. I'll accept that answer. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, do we think that Apple is behind this uh, sudden closure of the Fitbit division? You mean um, at Nike? 
Right. Uh, yeah, not Fitbit. Sorry, Jawbone. <laughs> you mean Nike? Nike. Yeah, so like Tim Cook's on the board of Nike. Is that what Nike. you said, Sean? Yes, yes, correct. And all that, you know, seems like if Apple were to make a fitness band or a wearable of some kind and they wanted to partner with Nike on some things, which they have a lot in the past from all the way back to the iPod and the the shoe thing. Yeah, that Nike would, Plus. Right. Uh that maybe Nike would concede to cease further development in order to partner with Apple? I mean, I don't think it would be a requirement that Tim Cook would put in, but I will say when, when Apple announced the new, was it the M7 processor in the in the iPhone 5s, um, that do motion, I believe he mentioned Nike on stage was going to be one of the premier companies building apps using the APIs. So, I mean, I think Apple and sort of like Apple and uh Disney will always be intertwined. I think Nike is the same way. Um, so, no, I would not be surprised. But I, I don't... I, like I said, even Apple completely out of the equation, I still think it makes sense for Nike to focus on software when the when the physical hardware space is, A, very difficult to make money in because the margins are much worse, and B, um, very competitive. Yeah, I don't know. Like, now that you mentioned that, Dan, like... I don't know if I would try to see some sort of app thing come out with like Nike software on. Maybe that's there. Yeah, they've basically already announced they're 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 doing something like that. It's just to the degree it'll be integrated and price it, you know, and little details like that. But they basically they're a premier partner when it comes to these new APIs. <clears throat> and and I and if they announce a watch, I guarantee Nike will be one of the first people mentioned. So. That that's I think that's a given. Um, well, there you go. A little uh, wearable news for you. But now we move on to everybody's favorite segment. Let's play a little trivia challenge. Trivia. Uh, today's trivia. See, I thought. Okay, you got to give me a break here. I thought this week's top story was going to be Aereo in the Supreme Court, which we're going to talk about next. So today's trivia is based around a similar theme. So just go with me on this, okay? This is sure. the, We're calling this the numbers game. All the answers are numbers. And the theme is video playback systems. So Aereo is, is, is among the latest of a long line of, of legal things around whether it's VHS or DVD <laughs> or Blu-ray. I mean, we have all these formats over time, so I have a couple questions about these, but because it's the number game, the rules are interesting. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask a question, and one of you is going to give me the answer, which is always a number. The other person, all they have to say is higher or lower, card shark style. <laughs> okay. Okay. And one of you is right and one of you is wrong. So if the other person guesses lower, but it's actually equal to or higher, uh, the original person wins. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's only three questions, but then there's also a bonus round. So uh, here we go. Here are your three questions. Colby, I flipped a coin. You will be giving the number first. In, okay. wh in what year did the Supreme Court legalize VHS home recording? In what year did they say it was legal for you to record things in your home on a VHS tape? 1986. 1986, he says. Dan, is it... I said 96. 96, I'm sorry. Uh, 1996, Dan, was it earlier or later? Uh, earlier. And the answer is 1984. Dan is the winner on that one. He's talking about that was, that was uh, early on, uh, and that was, oh, let's see if I can remember, that was Sony Electronics versus uh, Universal Pictures. Um, here we go. So this question is for Dan. Uh, what is the longest possible recording time on a standard-sized VHS tape in, in number of minutes? Ha. Uh... uh... 120 minutes. 120 minutes. Colby, is it higher or lower than 120 minutes? Is equal an option? Uh, if it's equal, if it's equal, Dan wins. Oh, damn. So I'm you have... <laughs> higher. It's like 122 minutes. 
Okay. Uh, how about this? You ready to have your minds blown? How about 649 minutes oh. on super on a super long play E300 VHS tape? Jeez. 649 minutes, nearly 10 hours. Um, wow, okay. that's almost the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy. What are we doing? We've got all these Blu-rays floating around. <laughs> yeah, man, VHS is where it's at. Uh, so we are one and we need one. The, we need a uh, a video revival like the uh, the vinyl the, revival, like the vinyl yes. revival, the vinyl. <laughs> Whatever. I'm sticking with uh, Laserdisc. Um, <laughs> so this question it is, just looks better on a VHS, all right? It does. There's it's nostalgic. There's something about that. It's more authentic. <laughs> all right. This question is for Colby. Uh, Colby, the very first TiVo model could record how many hours of SD programming? Three. Uh, no, that's not my real answer. Uh, 24. 24. Dan, is it higher or lower than 24 hours on the original TiVo? Lower. Dan says lower, and the answer is Lower. 14 hours on a 14 gigabyte hard drive. Mm. All right. Pretty good at this. What can I say? Dan is up two to one, but we're going to move into the last question, which is a bonus question. It's worth two points. So really none of that stuff before mattered. Really whoever wins this wins the game. (laughs) Uh, And it is multiple choice. No numbers on this one. Uh, I'm going to read you a question, give you four options. You can each pick separately. Um, You can, of course, share an answer if you like. So here's the question. Which of these four is not a defunct video playback system? So which one of these is, again, this is a Sean made it up question. Which one of these is fake and, and among the four? So is it Disco Vision, Quadruplex Tape, Micro DVD, or Laser Film? Three of these are real, one of them I made up. Is it Disco Vision, Quadruplex Tape, Micro DVD or laser film? Uh, and since Dan won the last question, Colby, you can pick first. Laser film. Laser film. Colby says laser film is fake. Dan, which of those is not real? I have to go to Disco Vision. Disco Vision? Uh, you are both wrong. <laughs> Disco Vision, laser film, and quadruplex tape were all real standards. I made up micro DVD. Isn't there a really? Film? There's a mini DVD. Damn it. See, I finally, I got one of these. The ones I make up never go for me. <laughs> now, I'm not good at making stuff, but no, uh, Disco Vision is by far my favorite. Uh, That's exactly the kind of thing that you would make up. No, Disco Vision, laser, laser film, come on. I don't know why what these are defunct. Disco Vision? Uh, I, here, I put the Wikipedia article in the, uh, the notes here, so let me. It was one of the names for Laserdisc. Um, MCA Disco Vision Incorporated was a division of Entertain Giant MCA, um, which uh, yeah, that was that was one of the names for uh, Laserdisc. Oh, there was a company called Disco Vision Associates. I wish I could have worked for them. (laughs) Um, Very good. Well, with that result, Dan wins. Dan wins two to one in this battle of the numbers. Congratulations, Dan. But no time for you to celebrate your success because we have to move on to the other news. As I drink my coffee. Uh, so let's talk about Aereo. Uh, now, Dan, you've used Aereo. Yep. And Colby, have you used Aereo? No. Okay. Uh, I have used Aereo. It's a fine service. Uh, but how about uh, it in the Supreme Court? That's right. Aereo is being sued um, by basically anyone who makes television, including all of the major mm-hmm. networks, major sporting leagues. Um, I, the list, you would just be outraged at the sheer amount of people suing them. Um, the question is, is what they're doing legal? So let me explain how Aereo works. Because... Okay, for example, there's TV over the air that anyone with an antenna can pick up, okay? Mm-hmm. What Aereo does is they have a warehouse full of antennas, millions of micro antennas, okay? When you sign up for Aereo, you are given one of those micro antennas. You're the only person who can access it. It's just for you. It's registered to you. That micro antenna takes the over-the-air signal and then puts it online, DVR, you can stream it, and all that kind of stuff. The, uh, the law says 
that if I were to take the ABC stream over the air and just put it out on the internet for everyone to see, that's illegal because it's rebroadcasting. Aereo is arguing because they're only airing it to that one person who owns that single antenna, they're bypassing that law. It's not rebroadcasting, it's just the initial broadcast and they're merely converting it to digital form. It's a very gray area in the law, and that's why they're being sued into oblivion, and this uh, week are arguing it in the Supreme Court. Um, judges have previously ruled both ways uh, with Aereo. Some, and I know in Utah and Colorado, they're uh, currently have been stopped by injunctions, but other courts have said what they do is completely legal. Uh, that's why they went to the Supreme Court. Um, the arguments are based around the Copyright Act of 1976, um, which means you cannot uh, transmit or otherwise communicate a performance or display of the work to the public. Um, but the question is, is this to the public? Um, so what do you guys uh, think of this story as I go to sneeze? <laughs> <laughs> well... Ugh. Uh, as a, someone who doesn't have cable and won't ever buy it, I don't care that it's a gray area of the law because I want to pay for content, but I don't want to pay $120 a month for said content, so I'm okay with this. Also, like, I don't... Why is it a gray area? I can buy an antenna and put it on my side of my window and get all the same channels. But you're not broadcasting it over the internet. You're plugging it right into your TV. And so because it goes over the pipes of the internet, the, the argument is, is that some level of rebroadcast? Well. That's the legal argument. Is, and, okay. and the fact that the reason over-the-air works is because you're physically there to accept the signal. And if now, of course, Aereo does require you have a credit card in the uh, zip code in which you have registered within an acceptable, you know, they know how far the broadcasts reach. Uh, but, of course, you can always get a credit card in a different zip code. There's really not a good way to verify that. Um, so that's really the concern. And that's one of the reasons why uh, major sporting leagues are also part of the lawsuit, because they make a lot of their money uh, on network broadcasting. So let me go ahead. Maybe this will help you guys. Um, let's talk worst case scenario. Let's say okay. this is what the cable, this is what the networks are saying is the problem. Um, it would mean uh, that cable company, uh, let me... Broadcasters are most concerned about Aereo undermining the lucrative bundling system in which subscribers must subscribe to a bunch of niche channels. Um, <clears throat> it also says Aereo may have implications for cloud storage services like Dropbox and Google Music, which store copyrighted works. A ruling against Aereo would turn all cloud storage providers into infringers, claims Aereo. Oh, that's interesting. Would turn all cloud storage providers? I missed why that made sense. Because they store copyrighted works and then stream them to you. So if I upload my music into Google Music and then stream it back to myself, is that is that rebroadcasting copyrighted material? Then then so AirPlay is also rebroadcasting then. Uh, but that's doing that in your own personal network. So I would I would say that's probably legal. Now Slingbox. Although they don't store it. See, that I think that's part of the problem, and the fact that Aereo stores it and then broadcasts it off their servers where Slingbox is a direct connection. I don't know. It's the law. It's complicated. Jeez. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I will yeah. say... Uh, oh. Go ahead. Well, no. I want to hear what you say first before I... Um, I did say that uh, a wide range a wide range of groups have weighed in on the case. The Obama administration, the National Football League, and the RIAA have said that they are in favor of the broadcasters. Uh, bummer, Obama. What? Yeah, I boo, Obama. Um, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, Dish Network, and small independent broadcasters are on the side of Aereo. Uh, the case will be heard tomorrow, but of course, with the Supreme Court, we won't hear the ruling for several months. And even if Aereo wins... 
uh, legislation could still be passed in Congress that requires the company to pay retransmission fees, which they currently don't pay now, and is hence the problem. Uh, I mean, realistically, I I won't be surprised if they get shut down. Like, I don't know. I feel like network TV and oil companies pretty much run the country. So, <laughs> it's, it's Rupert Murdoch and Exxon Mobil. That's it. <laughs> That's it. It'll certainly be an interesting case, and um. I wish we'd had our law correspondent on the show today to talk to us about this, but, um, y- you know, it's interesting. Yeah, he was busy preparing for a, a very important case. Very important case. Um, but it's interesting because um, the way the Supreme Court has ruled over the past couple of years has leaned more towards businesses and less towards the consumer. So um, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be surprising, but it's it's sort of making that same argument that if I call Dan up on the phone and uh, sing him happy birthday over the phone i mean that's a private performance uh the broadcasters would argue i'm transmitting it and hence i should pay a retransmission fee <laughs> yes i'm sure it would yeah but it is a i don't know tv is such a bummer like i want <laughs> there's two things i want to watch on tv i like to watch sports like football games and no, I guess that's it. that's all I want to watch. <laughs> and Game of Thrones, Colby. Yeah, Game of Thrones, but like I can get that otherwise. <laughs> Very true. I mean, so I guess I guess you're right. Game of Thrones, yeah. So if I if I could pay for two channels and like watch the Red Sox and Game of Thrones, and that's it, I would. But I can't do that. I have to pay like hundreds of dollars for like a million channels. <laughs> Maybe two million channels. Who knows? It's a lot of channels. Yeah. Sports is really the 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 holy grail of things that we can't get. Because you can't even you couldn't even do the Amazon model of sports. Like, oh, don't worry. You know, we'll broadcast it tonight, but then you can watch it tomorrow after two PM. Right. Well that's useless. so they really got us with those sports ball things yeah and then like even with you know like football you can get it you could get an antenna and you can probably just get the football game like every sunday on or at least your local football game right yeah that's the thing another, another whole dimension to the problem uh like you can get the local football game on Sunday, but like baseball, you most of the most of the channels, as far as I know, like the channels that broadcast all the games are not on not broadcast TV at all. They're like maybe like one game a week on Fox or something for your local team, but like for the most part, they're on some some small cable network. Like in New England, it's Nesson or I know I think I think for for the Yankees. Yes, network or whatever it is. So. <laughs> I don't know. It's just madness. I just want to watch, watch my stuff. Very good, very good. Well, that's well, too on. bad, Colby. <laughs> no TV for you. You've been a go to your room. <laughs> um, let's talk about um the wackiness that is Project Ara. Um. Some of you may have seen pictures of this on the internet. This is Google's modular <laughs> smartphone, uh, part of their advanced technologies and products group, um, which is the part of Google that takes wacky ideas and brings them to market. Um, things like Google Glass and, and those. Um, and they've said in the, they've got one year that they've self-imposed deadline to bring this product to market. Um, what is it? It is a uh, modular smartphone. So what does that mean? Well. All you really get is a metal exoskeleton, and then you buy the little individual parts that pop into it, including camera, screen, processor, power jack. I mean, literally any part of a phone you can imagine plug into this, um, and hence can be upgraded and changed uh, as desired over time. Um, Of course, this is an incredibly complex project. 
But the interesting part is Google fully intends this to be a full-scale consumer product um, sold on the shelf like any other Samsung or, or Apple phone. Um, let's see some of the cool tech highlights. Um, There's none. Uh, no, so I'm reading this. So the way the, the little modules plug into the phone are through capacitive interconnects, um, which are uh, wireless. They don't actually communicate with each other over metal because it's not fast enough to transmit the RAM and the processor, um, which are separate. So uh, they actually use incredibly uh, close wireless between the modules. Um, another example is that R uses electro-permanent <laughs> magnets to hold them in place because physical latches uh, can easily break. Um, I mean, it's really, really cool stuff. I don't understand much of it. Um, yeah, I don't... I'm curious to see how this will work. Like... I don't know that... Well, Okay. I don't know. I'm curious to see how it'll work. I don't know that I would, like, looking at my current phone and its form factor, like, I don't really want to upgrade anything. I want a new phone. Like, the the form of the phone itself has a certain appeal to it. It's not as though any individual component really stands out to me. Uh... Would I like to have a lightning cable instead of a 30-pin thing? Sure. How much would I be willing to pay for that? Maybe, like, 50 bucks if I was feeling really desperate, but probably less. Would I like a new camera? Maybe, but I don't really feel like mine is bad. So, I don't know. I think even when, like desktop computers were the big thing and everyone could upgrade them how many people actually did upgrade them and how many people let it go to the point where no upgrade is worth the cost and you might as well buy a new one anyways like i have to imagine that's what will end up happening here anyways yeah i i mean i think desktop pcs are a little different because like there was always i mean it seems like there was a much higher there the bar for upgrading one of these is much lower than the bar for upgrading a, a desktop PC. Like, I mean, to upgrade your desktop, right, you had to take the, take the side off. And they, like, that immediately put the, like, out of the realm of what, like, 90% of consumers are going to do. Right? Um, that being said, I think you have a good point about like the form actor of the phone like phone is more I don't know it's like a package thing. so right. I don't know yeah well, yeah it's like as much about the the way the phone looks and and feels in your Whoa. Head. this is starting to sound an awful lot like a Johnny Ive monologue Colby <laughs> it's all about how the phone feels <laughs> Machined aluminum. <laughs> it is just beautiful. It's extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, the the it whole is. package is just just a pleasure to hold. Unless you're in a perfectly white room wearing a gray t-shirt, I, I don't. I can't buy it. I'm not buying it. You know that sort of heaven angelic room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I I mean I think I think th there's two sides to this story, right? There's what does this mean for companies building phones and what does this mean for the consumers buying them? For the companies that are building them, this is great. Every time Samsung releases a new Galaxy phone, they go through months of research and development, months of retooling all the machines, getting uh, it all set up to manufacture this complicated new device, and then they sell it for six months and then launch another one. I mean, it's not particularly cost-effective, but instead imagine a phone where if you have some cool new module, you're only producing the little module at a time, and only those who want it will buy it. You don't have to mass-produce these phones. Think of how many of those random Samsung phones nobody ever ended up buying. You know, you can test small amounts of things. They can order on demand. I mean, I think, I think for companies, yes, it's enormously complicated to do something like this, but if anyone could do it, it's Google, and... I think in the long run, the business economics of doing something like this is very interesting. Um, 
on the consumer side, um, I mean, I obviously see, see the bonus. I mean, what if, for example, I wanted a fingerprint scanner on my phone? Well, that's something I could pop in. 90% of people probably don't care about that, but I do. So I could pop that in. Or what if That's a good point. And I do want that actually on my phone. And I it, don't have it. And it could be, you know, for example, uh, the you could say I'm willing to spend the extra money to put in the fingerprints or for example, say you want a battery that takes up more of your modules, so maybe you don't have a camera or maybe you don't have a uh, an extra this or an extra that. Uh, but instead, you have a bigger battery because you desire more battery life versus everyone else. That's a problem making one phone for everybody. It has to be for everybody. Apple's probably come closest to being able to do that, but it's still not perfect. And they still have to offer two models of phones, and that's even not good enough for a lot of people. Um, the problem is this is going to be really complicated for average people to understand. It is taking an existing product market that has been around for... A decade now and is turning it on its head people will not understand how this works they will be confused now google's done great with glass i'll give them credit where credit's due they've done a good job of explaining it to people and rolling it out slowly and they could do something like that with this but it's going to be a hard sell for consumers it's going to be tough for consumers to understand how it works it's going to be tough to sell in stores you know we think of how hard it's been for the u.s to break the two-year contract model I mean, we're still doing that, despite the fact most of the world doesn't, and it doesn't really even make that much financial sense. You know, so... Do, we, do you really think that people won't be able to understand, like, I'm going to buy a new home button module and slide it in? No, I mean, I think they'll understand how to use it. I don't think they'll understand the advantage. They'll say, well, why would I spend all this time getting different modules from... I'll never change my phone. I'll just buy the Apple iPhone. I think that's the argument. But then you can buy... A customized phone like do you think that they'll sell these phones pre modularized pre-assembled or do you just buy the shell and you pick out all of your own stuff all I the mean, time they said i, would, I would they, think they would have like packages they and maybe you could i think what would be good for them to have default is if you want you can like your own yeah they've said their plan is to sell uh, a gray phone, which is a bare-bones device with just a, a processor, a Wi-Fi module, and a screen, and that's it. Um, and then you could upgrade those things and add additional things. So it would come with the basics to actually get the phone useful. Um, obviously, the shell doesn't really do anything without any of the components, but it would be very bare-bones. That's at least their first product they're saying is going to be that. So uh, as far as they said, they're not going to do it. But I would make the argument that Motorola pushed the customization thing really big with the Moto X, and that was not the hot seller they had hoped it would be. Um, now, whether or not that means people aren't interested in customization, I'm not sure. But I, I just, you know, it's one thing to, to add a color to your phone, but another to say, well, do you want a 3 megapixel, 5 megapixel, 7 megapixel, 10 megapixel camera? Do you want a, you know, there's such a thing as too much choice. And uh, I fear this might, I'm excited. I mean, I'm the perfect customer for something like this. We all are. But you have to look at, you know, will this become a mainstream product? There's a reason why the Galaxy sells so well. Because people have heard of them, and they come pretty much ready to go. And they're very simple. Apple's the same way. The Galaxy yeah. is not the best phone. Not even close. But yet they sell hundreds of millions of them. So, Isn't that all marketing budget? Oh, it is. And Google could go, could go big, but I think they'll do it like Glass, and they'll just do a really slow rollout over time. You know, it'll be it'll be probably expensive to star. It'll be invitation only, and people will gobble it up like crazy. And then, you know, three years from now, it'll be on store shelves. So, but it's hard to say. I don't know. I, it's certainly an interesting concept. And props to Google. You know, that's one thing I will say is a lot of you know, Microsoft is famous for this for putting out those um, promotional videos with future technologies that never actually happen. Um, and I give props to Google for actually putting their money where their mouth is and actually saying. In a year, either this is a product or we're killing it, you know? So. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I don't know. Like, yeah, that, that seems reasonable. Um, one thing I think would be cool to be able to like, put things different places on the phone, like being able to put the camera somewhere else. Mm -hmm. 
some phones I find the camera is like I always end up with my finger in the way. I always used to do that with my phone. Like I get my hand like in the way of the lens and end up messing up the picture. Yeah. Um, so I think like I think the best place for a camera like right for the lens is like right in the middle. Um that's a good why are none of the yeah why are none of the lenses in the middle probably because people take most of their pictures like this which drives me insane thanks instagram (laughs) and thanks obama yeah there's so many cool things you could i could imagine a phone where you swap out a full touch screen for a half keyboard half screen like a blackberry during the day at work, you have the keyboard, and when you're at home, you can swap yeah. it out for a full touch screen. I mean, it's it's cool. It's really cool. <laughs> you know, I want it, so that's exciting. I think this light glass will probably start as if it goes anywhere. Yeah, hopefully it's not, you know, $1,500. <laughs> yes, because that'd be good. No. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to more news. Um I guess these last couple are pretty quick stories, so we'll get through them fast. Uh, If you watched our previous episode where I reviewed the Fire TV, you know I had some beef with the fact that the voice search only did Amazon content. Well, Amazon has announced uh, that um, it will be adding information to its voice search from Hulu Plus, Crackle, and Showtime Anytime in addition to the current Amazon content and uh, Vivo. Um... They did not say exactly when this would be added to the service, saying that uh, at some point this summer it will come. So, um, it's interesting. Still no Netflix. They don't even have HBO Go at all. Um, it's limited, but it is good to see them adding uh, additional contents, especially to the voice search. Cool. Um... Uh, too cheap to buy full glass, but still want to look like a tool wearing it around? Well, you're in luck. <laughs> uh, Google launches a home try-on program for glass. Uh, the way it works is you can uh, call Google and say, I want to know what glass looks like. And what they'll do is they'll send you a set of non-functioning glasses in all the colors and finishes. Um, all you have to do is give them a $50 deposit um, that they will return to you when you return the glass to them. Um All of these units are in good cosmetic shape, but they're not supposed to power on. The USB port has been destroyed. They are essentially uh, broken glasses, but they still, you know, look the same. So you can see how they would look and and the heft and and the finish and those kind of things. Um, It's certainly an interesting idea, and it's certainly an easier way to get them in the hands of more people. Um, Right now, it is a limited uh, program. Uh, It was emailed out to select people. Uh, but the phone number that they put out has been floating around. So if you're really interested, you, you can probably track it down and give them a call and uh, try them on. Uh, what, what was do you that? think that's really going to sway anyone? Like, if if your problem with glass was that you're worried about how it would look on your face, do you think trying it on would, like, dampen your fears at all? See, I think it's more, um, like, I don't understand how it works can look through it i think that's what it would be for me like i've tried it best so i i, mean, I get the idea but i i don't really understand how you have this where it is and yeah i mean it's it's certainly I mean, it can't be expensive. I mean, Google's paying the shipping. I can't imagine it's crazy expensive for them to do this. And even if it sells one or two more glasses, they make their money back. So, um, I, you know, I kind of see it as a bit of a no-brainer. Why you as a consumer would do it, that's a, a more interesting question. <laughs> um, I briefly now, are... thought about it, and I'm like, this is dumb. Why would I do that? <laughs> also, do you think these are actually broken glasses, or did they break them for this purpose? Well... So I've read a couple different articles, and the general sentiment is that they were glasses, that Google Glass, that were returned for any number of reasons. And as long as they cosmetically looked okay on the outside, they ripped out the USB port so they couldn't be charged, and now they're sending them to people. So. There you go. Interesting enough. Um, final story. Um... Dan, are you comfortable with Facebook knowing everything about you? Well, good news. 
Uh, I'm on it, so yeah. They know where you are, and they're going to tell people about it. Uh, Facebook, in an update to their app, has included um, people discovery. Uh, This was all the rage a while ago, and then it kind of died out, but now it's making a comeback. Um, It's called Nearby Friends, um, and it's built right into your existing Facebook app. I'm actually going to try, and I didn't try this earlier. Um, I probably should have, but I didn't. Um, So it's actually a little bit hidden in the app. Um, you can go into the more menu, um, and, uh, in there it will say nearby, it should say nearby friends. Mine doesn't say that. And I don't know why. Well, there's friends. I'm going to try if I, I know this is really exciting for the viewers. Um, (laughs) this is what we call good radio. Yes. Um, so the location. I've got is... nearby places. Yeah, I have that too. Um, but apparently, it's a, it's a different. Do we say not on for everyone yet? Oh, it's not out for everyone yet. Okay. I think it's a slow rollout sort of thing. That would make sense. That would make sense. So I do. Facebook not... just told you to slow your roll, Sean. <laughs> uh, Dan, it's an app I have no intention of ever using. Um, yeah, I know that was real nice of me. Um, so there is, um, there's other things about this, which I'm reading about and we'll tell you as soon as I analyze them. (laughs) This real time analysis, this is like CNN here. As long as nearby friends is turned on, Facebook tracks your location every 15 minutes or so on a general neighborhood level. Um... There you go. So this is like uh, Apple's Find My Friends it's thing. It's very similar, except I think Find My Friends is a little more uh, specific. <laughs> and also more, more, if you will. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I guess they probably updated that for, for iOS 7. Um, so there you go. Keep an eye out for that. Coming to Facebook on iOS and Android soon. Uh, find if your friends are nearby. Um, very cool. Anything else on the news, guys? Okay, let's do picks. <laughs> Okay, um, let's jump in with our picks over the week, um, and I think um, Colby should go first uh, with this uh, brand new uh, service I haven't heard of, uh, fresh onto the Silicon Valley scene, and that would of course be um, the New York Times. Oh my gosh. I I had this problem earlier, I haven't taken this before. No, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say not that I can remember. No, definitely and not. I'm usually I would have remembered good. it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, probably like three months ago now, I got some email from the New York Times because I had like an account. I had to hey, sign Colby, for- can, you, uh, can you do me a favor and uh, kill your video for me? Because um, we can't hear you particularly well, so maybe if we go audio only, you'll sound better. All right. Now go ahead. Do you hear me? Yeah. Okay. So, like, three months or so ago, I got an email from the New York Times because, I don't know. No. I got an email from the sign-up for an account. There was one I watched a article, and I hit Google, and they were like, sign up for an account. You can read more articles. I was like, okay. Um, so they had some, some like, deal where you got, like, three cutting of the New York Times. Um, for their, their digital thing, so I was like, eh, I'll give it a try. Um, am I still there? Yep. Cool. I got confused. There are less pictures. <laughs> uh, yeah, I signed up a while ago. And it's, I, to be honest, I'm not sure how much it costs a month because I haven't gotten into the like I haven't gotten into the real like my cycle thing, um, but it, like, I never run. I I do 
more New York Times articles than than and so, like I can many as and I can read my phone and but I can't read a tablet because that's a different plan. Their 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 tiers of plan are very strange. Um, but yeah, I don't know it's kind of nice. It's not expensive. I'm pretty sure it costs less than Spotify. I'm not exactly sure though. It might, that might. <laughs> uh-huh. so, well, you just you don't know how much it costs at all. Basically, yeah. It costs money. Dollars. It costs me five dollars at one time. At some point, it's gonna start costing more than that. Uh, if I turns out that it costs too much, I'll But until then, I, it's worthwhile if you like know stuff about things from a reputable news source. That's pretty good. That's a, a pick I can get behind. The New York Times. They've got good things, says Colby. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't know anything about it. Um, and they cost dollars. They, yeah, some number of dollars um, of which they may never know. Um, Alright, Daniel. Yes, sir. Have you picked this before? I don't want to accuse you. I looked, and I don't think I did. Maybe it was something similar, because it seems familiar. But it's cool. But it's cool. So tell us about Findery. Okay, so Findery is this really cool thing. It's kind of like a uh, longer form Foursquare. So say that I was going to go to uh, Brooklyn, New York. This thing brings up a map, and what appears on here are stories. So stories can be pictures or text of any length, and I think that uh, it can link out to other things too. So the pictures here are the pictures of the person who wrote the story. We can zoom in here, uh, and someone's talking about a Sesame letterpress card that they bought here. That's not very interesting. Uh, here... Ghostbusters, New York City Hall, Ghostbusters, 1984. We want to read more about this. And see, so you get this whole long thing about, uh... I guess this is where Ghostbusters was filmed? Yeah, they, did a, whole, yeah, they did a scene, yeah. Right, right, right. There's a whole history on why it looks the way it does. Oh, yeah, that's just regular old City Hall. Okay, that's cool. Uh, they also have a really nice mobile app, at least for iPhone, but I think they have it for other things, too. Uh, and that's what I primarily use it. I've actually never used this desktop website. Uh, this is this person's first apartment, and so if we click through here, we can read the story about her first apartment, how much it cost when she first lived there. There's just interesting things. There's also... Uh, some businesses use it, like real estate uses this, which is a really good use case for it, I think. If you're just like, oh, Greenpoint's kind of cool. I wonder what's happening over here. <clears throat> Nothing. Oh, there we go. Uh, <laughs> like, huh. Oh, yeah. So the this is the, the Cochrane Group. So they have these listings here so you can look through uh, if you were searching for an apartment or something. So it's pretty cool. This is findery.com. Neat, and that's a uh, free iOS app. Yep, long form Foursquare. Yeah, cool. No, that's cool, because sometimes uh, you do want to know more about the things going on. Yeah, and if, you, if you're visiting a place, it's really nice to just like spend like an hour and just go through people's stories, and then you can like just go, just, you know, I'm going to go to that person's, you know, this sounds weird, but... That person's the neighborhood around that person's apartment, and she told a story about the great sandwich place. I want to go see that, and you can go see it. It's pretty cool. Very neat. Very neat. Findery.com. Tell your friends. Uh, very good. All right. Uh, so now for my pick this week. Um, this is one of those, we do these on the show occasionally, and it's a pick that I've never used, but I think is really neat. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. So let me give you a idea of what we're looking at. Share it to you. 
viewers. And I do recommend out there, if you're a fan of Don't Panic, definitely check out the video version. We put a lot of work into making sure it's visually appealing, except, of course, for Colby, um, who is usually very pixelated. I would say that Colby just doesn't put in the work to make him visually appealing to us. That's, yeah, yeah, that's it's a problem. He, he doesn't really shave that often. It's He's disheveled. <laughs> disheveled. Homely. Disheveled, that's the word. Um, so, uh, now that we're done insulting Colby, uh, who doesn't, who barely has For a now. bandwidth to respond, um, <laughs> let me talk about cups. Cups is a cool idea. I love this idea of Unlimited. I am a sucker for Unlimited. I've talked previously on the show before about Marvel Unlimited, which is all the comic books you can eat. I love the idea, Netflix is a good example, I love this idea that you can pay one fee and just get as much as you want, right? Everyone loves Unlimited. Well, this is a cool idea because it's sort of, it's a local, um, unlimited idea. So it's called Cups, and it's about coffee. So they currently have some number of coffee shops throughout uh, the New York City area. Um, they're all independent coffee shops that have agreed to partner with them. No Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts here. Um, and the cool idea is that you pay one monthly fee. And you get a certain amount of coffees. You can pay for five coffees a month, 10 coffees, 20 coffees a month, or my personal favorite, unlimited, unlimited coffee a month. This is any size, any time. If the store is open, you can go in and get a coffee. They have two levels, of course, American Classic, which is um, your standard uh, coffee, plain, you know, coffee drip and all that stuff. Uh, and then they also have... A uh, an extra level which includes uh, espresso drinks, uh, so your americanos, cappuccinos, lattes, iced coffees, all of those things. That's a little extra, uh, but if you just take regular coffee, um, it's unlimited coffee a month for forty five dollars. That's crazy. Any size you want. Um, and there are lesser packages, of course, and it does only apply, which is kind of which is why I said I haven't gotten the chance to use it because it only applies to certain coffee shops but i the concept i think that's is why cool. i need to come visit us in I, new york i hey if 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 i if i lived and worked in new york city man i would be all over this you have no idea <laughs> um so i i just i like this idea of unlimited and i like the idea of a local unlimited the fact that you can go to a local shop and like if dunkin donuts offered a monthly unlimited card like My that's God. a no-brainer holy shit I know. Colby would get it and just use it even for the times he's home. Colby would find the limit to unlimited. Put it that way. He'd be the person. <laughs> and, and use it all up in a week. Yeah, he said, that's, that, they'd cut him, sir, that's enough. You have to go home. <laughs> we can't serve you in this state. My, Sean, my question is, is the limit with how much Dunkin' Donuts, how much coffee Dunkin' Donuts will serve me or how much Dunkin' Donuts coffee I drink before I die? Yeah, I can just imagine the, the lawsuit. Unlimited coffee promotion kills man. And that would be Colby. <laughs> I tried to come up with something funnier than man, but I couldn't. Uh, Rhode Island man? I don't know. Kills Cal Californian software engineer. Yes. <laughs> yes. Kill, kills local man. We'll just leave it vague. Um, yeah, so no, I think, I think this is cool, and I would like to see more of this, because I think it's neat for both users and for small local businesses, so... Um, more unlimited because even I would be the guy who pays for unlimited and then doesn't reach $45 actually spent. I'm a sucker for that. So, um, if you're in New York city, uh, and what's really interesting to me is, uh, is if you, I read up on the founders of the company, this actually started in Tel Aviv, um, and Jerusalem, and they actually got over a thousand coffee shops over there and then decided to bring the concept to the U S. So interesting idea. It's cups app dot com is the website you can check it out there they have the list of all these stores that are included in the deal uh, and if you live in new york city near any of these uh check them out it's it's unlimited there's no limit um just like there's no limit to the amount of fun we can have here on don't panic um segue uh wonderful uh wow what a great show guys um that was wonderful. As the Lewis and Clark, you guided us towards the West, and we have now reached the Pacific Ocean, and we will stare out upon our new discovered lands. And I will, as we will be put on a dollar coin. <laughs> uh, so suck on that. Um, wonderful. Well, we thank all of you out there in Internet land for joining us. Uh, we do this sh uh, show, as I said, every week Monday. 
uh, night at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. I'm going to take this time, uh, which I think we did last week as well, to plug the outstanding, I cannot say enough things, nice about Change Mode, which is the show Colby and Dan do weekly uh, about all things programming, uh, but not one of those boring, oh, this is how you learn HTML. This is a tag. This is, no, 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 no. They don't do, nor do, nor do they go, well, the system architecture of the nucleus biocode. No, none of that. It's real practical programming stuff for those of you out there who know a little bit about what you're doing, but really need that practical advice. Uh, did I sum up the show well? I think so. It just, I don't even know what you're talking about with the second example, though. I made that up. I oh. I'd, ha- I'd hate for you to guess that we know what we're doing. <laughs> hey, as someone who knows nothing about programming, I watched the show, and I was entertained, and I learned <laughs> something. So take that to the bank. Uh, you can find Change Mode at coffeeandbeer.tv slash change mode, uh, and also across all the services you know and love, iTunes, um, I. I don't know if we're... I know the other shows... I think... I believe it's on Stitcher. Uh, if not, it's applied and it should be in the next couple days. And of course, on uh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Google+, all the good spots. Um, and I highly recommend you watch that because it's a wonderful show. Um, well, that wraps it up. Uh, I'm going to recommend everyone join us back here next week. Uh, not only is it going to be a great show, but I have a big, big, big announcement. And you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, on next week's Don't Panic, but for now, we will wrap up by saying good night. See you next week. This show is brewed fresh weekly by the Coffee and Beer Podcast Network. Get all our shows at our website, coffeeandbeer.tv.